Hello and welcome, my faithful and loyal readers and listeners. Welcome to our daily devotional for May the 31st. If you recall, our daily devotional is divided into two different segments. <coughs> we have our first of the day segment, and we have our to the Bible in one year segment. So our verse for today comes from Proverbs chapter 13, verse 6, which says, Righteousness guards the person of integrity, but wickedness overthrows the sinner. So what is being said here is that blameless living safeguards your life. So every choice for good sets in motion other opportunities for you to do good. And evil choices follow the same pattern, but in the opposite direction. So every evil choice, every bad choice, sets in motion other opportunities for you to do evil things or bad things. So each decision you make to obey God's word will bring a greater sense of order to your life, while each decision to disobey will bring confusion and destruction. So the right choices you make reflect your integrity. Obedience brings the greatest safeguard and security that you can find. to read for today is going to be 2 Samuel chapter 17, John chapter 19 verses 23 through 42, Psalm 119, 129 through 152, and Proverbs 16, 12 through 13. So that concludes our verse of the day segment. We are now going to move into our Through the Bible in One Year segment. So once again, if you have missed any of these segments for any reason whatsoever, you can get caught up with all of them by visiting upstatechristian.com That's upstatechristian.com So we're now in today 150 of Arthur the Bible in one year segment with our focus being on John chapter 11 verses 38 through 44 So if you remember John chapter 11 is dealing with all of the events that take place in Bethany surrounding the death and the resurrection and the death and Jesus bring back to life of a man named Lazarus. So today we come to the climactic point of John's gospel. Right, because today we see the definitive sign that Jesus is who he says he is. And what is that sign? That sign is Jesus raising a dead man back to life. 
So after this section of John's Gospel, there should be absolutely no question in your mind. There should be no doubt that Jesus is who he says he is. So let's pick up. So we're going to pick up between chapter 11 and verse 38. And so we're going to go through verse 40 to start off with, which says Jesus once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So what we see here is that Lazarus was buried in a typical first century tomb that was cut from a rocky hillside. So a large stone was placed over the entrance so that it could be reopened for future burials. So a central door led into the burial room where benches were carved in stone along the inner walls. So in other words, this was not just a single individual tomb. This was a tomb for multiple persons. This would have been a family tomb where every member of Lazarus's family would be buried. So Jesus' command to hold the stone concerned because obviously he did not resurrect Lazarus. So the fact that Lazarus had been dead four days and decomposition had set in, and there would be the stench of death when the stone was removed. And we're going to talk about that in just a few minutes. What the significance of this four days that keeps cropping up throughout John chapter 11. Even though the people 
of the first century lacked the medical knowledge to prove someone was clinically dead, to prove that they were dead, dead, and not just asleep, or not just in a coma, because you see, if some, if a medical examiner had been called to take a look at Ivan's rest four days prior to this, he would, uh, he or she would have declared Lazarus to be life extinct, to use a phrase borrowed from the British. He would have been declared life extinct, he would have been said he's dead, it ain't no way this man can come back to life. However, however, even though they did not know how to tell the signs of a person was dead, dead. They did, however, know the stench of death, and so after this man had been in the tomb four days, in the heat of a middle spring day, they would have known the stench of death. This man would have smelled dead. So they would have known that he smelled dead. And the other significant thing here, and so we see that he would have smelled dead. So they would have known Lazarus was dead, dead. Lazarus was not going to come back from life. So the second thing, that's the first thing right there, proves that Lazarus was clinically dead. Because it says, don't open the tomb, Jesus. Because Martha tells him, don't open the tomb, Jesus. Because he's going to smell dead. He's already started to rot. He's already started to decompose. So the second thing we see is that it proved that Lazarus was dead culturally. So what are we talking about when we say that Lazarus was dead culturally? So first century Jews believed that a person's soul hovered over their body for three days after they died. Right, so we know that Lazarus has been dead now for four days. And since he was in the tomb for four days, and so people in the ancient world were buried almost immediately after they died. So as to prevent their rotting corpse from smelling up the place. So essentially what we see here, what this essentially means is that after three days in a tomb, that the person had been dead for three days, which would have been enough time if they were not clinically dead for them to awaken in their mind's eye, and in most eyes of most medical professionals, for them to awaken and come up out of the tomb and make some noise so that people would have known they were alive. So in other words, what John is saying is that there was no way in their minds, eyes, in their eyes, culturally, that Jesus could have raised Lazarus to life. He could have brought Lazarus back to life. And what we're going to see is we get if you come to the end of this section, is that Jesus not only defied, defied medical science, but he defied the cultural norms of his day. He brought Lazarus back to 
life. As you see, you can't bring back to life somebody that they're already telling you, hey, don't open that tomb because it's going to smell bad. Because his body's already started to decompose. <coughs> so, let's pick up there and we're going to go through the end of this section. Which is going to be verse 41 through 44. Which says, so they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here. That they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud, loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, Take off the grave clothes and let him go. So after the stone was removed, what we see is that Jesus stopped and he prayed. That's the only way he was ever going to be able to raise this man back to life because this man had already crossed over. This man had already gone to with the Father, and the only way this man was ever going to come back to life was if Jesus prayed to the Father, because he was one with the Father, to have him come back to life. So when he concluded his prayer, when Jesus concluded his prayer, he called for Lazarus to come out of the tomb, which would have seemed absurd and stupid to everybody around them, <coughs> because they would have known, hey, this man is dead, dead. There ain't no way for him to come back to life. He's been in this tomb for days. His soul has already moved on. He can't come back to life. Not only has his soul moved on, but his body has started to rot and decompose. So there ain't no way, culturally, there ain't no way, medically, that this man could come back to life. And that is the key. You gotta understand that, right? <coughs> so we see that Lazarus emerged from the tomb wearing grave clothes, which means this man was dead dead, he would not have allowed himself to be wrapped up the way a dead body was wrapped up, with the feet bound together, and a cloth wrapped around his head, in this hot, middle-eastern, spring-time weather, if he were not dead dead. If he were not dead dead, he wouldn't have stayed in that tomb for four days, wrapped up like this, sweating to death. So we know that Lazarus was clinically dead. We've already proven that, but again, this is even further proof that what I said in the previous, in our previous discussion, was is absolutely positively true. There is no denying that Lazarus was clinically dead. There is no denying that Lazarus was dead in the eyes of his culture of that day. And so then Jesus instructed the onlookers to remove them because he didn't need them anymore because he wasn't dead no more. He was alive again. Not just alive again, but completely alive again. 
So this resurrection is the seventh and culminating sign in John's Gospel. Right, so this is the final sign that John gives to prove that Jesus is who he says he is. In my mind, it's the best sign there is. So what we see here, right, it was a sign, and this sign was pointing to Jesus not only as the source of resurrection and life, but as but as part of his nature, he is the resurrection and the life. So final death is impossible for Jesus, as his own resurrection will even prove. So what Jesus did for Lazarus was an example of what God will do for all his faithful people who have died. We too will be raised from the dead. Everyone who believes in Jesus, everyone who is a follower of Jesus, will too be raised from the dead someday, just as Lazarus was raised from the dead. So this miracle was also the final offense that caused the jealous Jewish leaders to decide that Jesus must be put to death. So why did they decide that Jesus had to be put to death after this? So why is that the case? So I'm going to talk a little bit about that now, and then we're going to talk a lot more about it when we finish up John chapter 11 with the plot to kill Jesus. So the reason they decided they had to put Jesus to death was because they couldn't disprove this great miracle. They knew Lazarus was dead, clearly. He was dead, dead. What no way he was coming back to life without the power of God bringing him back to life. They knew that he was culturally dead. He'd been in that tomb for four days. His soul had already moved on, according to their teaching. So the only, again, the only way he was ever going to come back to life was if God brought him back to life. So that's why they had to cover this up. So they started to plot to kill Jesus. And we're going to talk about that plot to kill Jesus and go delve really, really deep into the reasons why they had to plot to kill him. Why they wanted to kill him, because you see, they couldn't let the truth out, because that would destroy their power base. And we're going to see that when we pick up from here tomorrow, as we finish chapter 11, with the Jewish leaders plot to kill Jesus. And so in order for you to be prepared, to read that and discuss that, you need to read Second Samuel eighteen one through nineteen ten, John chapter twenty verses one through thirty one, Psalm one nineteen verses one fifty three through one seventy six, and Proverbs sixteen fourteen and fifteen.